So the epistle is from uh, the letter to Romans, chapter 6, verses 3 to 11. Don't you know that all of us who were baptised into Christ Jesus were baptised into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him, so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin, because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has any mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Paul masterfully unpacks what it means to commune in the eternal life of Christ as a matter of counting oneself as dead to sin but alive to God in Christ Jesus. But what does it mean to be baptised into Christ Jesus? Although Jesus' central teaching was about the kingdom of God something that's been described as what life would be like if God was really enthroned as king in human lives. It's also true to say that Jesus' proclamation of the kingdom centred upon himself as the divine entry point into the spiritual life of God's kingdom. That is, Jesus saw himself as more than simply someone called upon to to teach or to even embody the kingdom life of love for God and self and neighbour. Jesus saw the lived reality of kingdom life coming in and through his own person and ministry, such that people's response to him was their response to that kingdom and to its king. I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me, says Jesus in John's Gospel. 
There's primarily the quality rather than the uh, unlimited extent of life in the kingdom that Jesus calls eternal life. It says, now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you've sent. John 17.3 So whether by confirming one's infant baptism as an adult or by being baptised as an adult, to be baptised into Christ Jesus is a, a sacramental expression of the forgiveness of the eternal quality and eternal extent of life that's found in and through trusting Jesus as the gate, as the shepherd of one's relationship with God. Although Jesus' spiritual proposal, if you like, is made to each and every individual, what he proposes isn't an individualistic spirituality. Note Paul's use of collective language in our passage. All of us, we were therefore buried with him. We have been united with him. We know that our old self was crucified with him. Jesus proposes a corporate spirituality in which being his disciple means communing in Jesus and thereby participating in his community, the community that Paul calls Christ's body, Romans 12.5, or the church. The community, someone said, that's called by God to love him and to express that love in service to others. That's what the, the church is. This love isn't uh, a feeling, but a choice. Uh, a choice to humbly and simply devote ourselves under God to the promotions of the goods of human life that come under our influence, and thereby to extend God's influence, his kingdom, his rule in the world. As the French philosopher André Consponville observes, in monotheistic cultures, people are bound together, um, horizontally, so to speak, by the fact that all of them feel bound to God, vertically. The community of believers is as powerful as this double bond is solid. For it's communion that creates the community, far more than the other way around. It's a communion that turns a human group into a community instead of a series of juxtaposed and competing individuals. And he insightfully explains that that to commune is to share without dividing. So this may sound paradoxical. He says where material goods are concerned, it is indeed impossible. People cannot uh, commune in a cake, for instance, because the only way to... only way to share a cake is to divide it up between all the people. But in a family or a group of friends, on the other hand, people can commune in the pleasure that they take in eating a delicious cake together. 
They all share in the same delectation without having to divide it up. You don't divide up the joy of having a meal together. So Jesus is the defining founding member of the church, the one in whom the Christian community finds its communion. This communion is a a metaphysical reality that isn't coextensive with any particular Christian denomination, let alone any uh, political union. This metaphysical reality is embodied in the rite of communion, inaugurated by Jesus's multiply attested reinterpretation of the Jewish Passover supper. And a positive response to this proposition that that Jesus offers a relationship with God in and through his own person. Uh, That's a proposition that is, if you like, expressed in the communion meal. A positive response to that constitutes a trust in Jesus that baptises the individual into the communal spirituality of the kingdom. But what does it mean to count yourself dead to sin but alive to God in Christ Jesus? Well, there's both a future and a present tense reality to consider here. With respect to the the future reality of being alive to God in Christ, in Jesus we live in the warranted hope that the Christian-centred community on earth will one day be raised from the dead, just as Jesus was. For if we've been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. Whilst this is the, the ultimate flourishing of the flower of eternal life, growth towards that transcendent sun informs the here and now of kingdom living. So with respect to the present reality of being alive to God in Christ here and now, it's only in communion with Christ that we find both forgiveness for sin and a practical program for progressively defeating sin. Jesus' concept of entering into the kingdom of heaven is, as Dallas Willard observes, not primarily a matter of making it into heaven after you die, though it takes care of that at the appropriate time. It is precisely a matter of being interactively engaged with the kingdom in your life here and now. And you do this by welcoming God into every dimension of your character and life. To know Christ in the kingdom of God, we must abandon ourselves to a total transformation of who we are on the inside, says Willard. We need to take on the character of Christ through living with him day by day. See, Jesus took up the call of John the baptizer, the call, the kingdom of God has come near, repent and believe the good news. The Greek term translated as repent literally means have a change of mind. Repentance 
involves a fundamental reinterpretation of what our lives are all about. As Bishop Tom Wright says, following Jesus means just that, following Jesus, not just ticking a box that says Jesus and then sitting back as if it's all done. To confess him as Lord and to believe that God raised him from the dead is to allow one's entire life to be reshaped by him. Knowing that though this will be painful from time to time, it will be the way, not to a diminished or cramped human existence, but to a genuine human life in the present and complete, glorious, resurrected human life in the future. So to participate in the ritual of of communion is to treat the crucified Christ as a sacrificial lamb on whom we, we metaphorically place not only our sins, but also our sinful selves to be removed from our true selves. As Paul declares in 2 Corinthians 5.17, he says, In Christ, the new creation has come. The old, the old self, has gone. The new is here. Yet, Paul recognises that we are not yet fully what will be revealed. Although he says that to become a Christian is to to have taken off your old self with its practices, Colossians 3.9. He also says that Christians need to put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator, Colossians 3.10. Or likewise, in Ephesians, Paul says uh, you were taught to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitudes of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So here and now, we struggle with the old self even though it has been crucified with Christ. And in the ritual of communion, we can prayerfully reaffirm that giving over of our old selves for crucifixion with Christ, and we can look again to Christ to form our new selves in him with the help of his spirit. As Paul will go on later in Romans to urge his readers, in view of God's mercy... Offer your life as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is true worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and pleasing and perfect will. Amen.